Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange... The bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Something bad always happens when I manscape. Every time, you remember like last year I threw my back out and you had to take me to the emergency room? Mm -hmm. That was embarrassing. This... That reminds me of like the opening line to a classic Dickens novel. <laughs> Something bad always happens when I manscape. Marley was dead. Um, okay, so yeah. Pip was on the run again. I hadn't done any manscaping for a while, and I knew it was going to be a process. Mm-hmm. I feel good because it's done now. I love that we're getting into this. But I, uh, <laughs> because it had been a while, I laid out newspapers on the bathroom floor to, to catch all the excess Hair and um, fairly successful. I would say probably 70% of the hair fell onto the newspaper and I was able to roll it up and throw it away. Right. I did notice that you took out the vacuum though. Yeah. I've got some bad news. Uh huh. I clogged our Dyson multi floor power nozzle. <laughs> I think it's a filter issue. I'm not sure because mm-hmm. uh, the hose is clean, but our Dyson filter is clogged with my pube hairs. Lord bless her dear heart. Anyway, you know how you feel whenever you get like a haircut or you know, a styling, you you always feel a little... So fresh and so clean clean? Yeah, a little a little spring in your step. That's yeah. how I feel. I'm so glad. After the process. You do S- seem spunky. Seriously, how long would you say I was in there? Oh... 45 minutes? Yeah, 45 minutes. I think mm. that's that's a, a generous and fair estimate. Yeah, I did some reading. I took out the recycling and I did some dishes. So yeah, about 45 minutes. But I'm glad you took some time for you. It's me time. And your pubes. Yeah. Some pube time. Indeed. Well, segueing into my <laughs> first story after talking about my manscaping incidents mm-hmm. uh, might be a little awkward. Uh, so I, I should stop right now and uh, give you a trigger warning. Okay. Uh, because this story involves child abuse. Oh, okay. okay. Not necessarily of a sexual nature, but still pretty, pretty bad child abuse. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're going first. Okay. By all accounts, it seemed that when she was born, she was a completely normal child. 
Oksana Malaya was born on November 4th, 1983, in a small village in southern Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And according to her medical records and the doctors who attended to her, she was a completely healthy baby girl, looking like she was destined for a normal childhood. And maybe that would have been if her parents were not such shitbags. They were both extremely abusive alcoholics and gave little thought to Exana. They didn't pay much attention to her at all, and they certainly uh, didn't provide a caring, nurturing environment. She lived the first three years of her life nearly ignored inside her parents' rundown, dilapidated farmhouse in a small village in southern Ukraine. That's so awful. One winter night, the door to the farmhouse apparently had been left open a little bit. And again, she three years old. She wandered outside. And her parents, rather than go out and get your kid and bring her back in and secure the doors. Parent? A, yeah, parent. Put rather a child, than parenting. A, a child safety lock on it or something. No, uh, they just shut the door and locked it. Um, Her parents, it seems, were more interested in not having a child than having one. Oh, God. Oksana spent the entire night outside. As the temperatures began to drop, she sought warmth. Now, the family had a pet dog named Nada, who lived in a kennel in the barnyard, probably not really well taken care of either. Oksana, seeking warmth, crawled inside the kennel with the dog and curled up next to the dog to stay warm. Now, oh my God. this was a popular place for all the stray dogs and uh, other dogs in the area. They seemed to all congregate here because it, at least it was a, an enclosure. She spent the night inside with uh, her dog and some other neighborhood dogs as well. Her parents didn't even look for her. Oh, my gosh. To bring her inside. Oksana survived outdoors living in that kennel with her dog and a pack of neighborhood strays for six years. What? She survived by eating whatever food the dogs had found. The dogs would bring bits of food in here and there, and uh, she would survive by eating any of the food that the dogs had found. She quickly became accepted into the pack of dogs, and they treated her as if she was one of their own. Okay, meanwhile, this is not far from her parents' home, correct? It's on the other side of the barnyard. What the fuck? I don't know. I... Now, the farm was was pretty remote, and there were very few visitors, so this went undiscovered until a neighbor, six years later, happened by and saw Oksana in the yard running around on all fours. When Oksana saw the neighbor, she barked at the neighbor as if she was a dog. Noticing that uh, the child appeared uncared for and obviously was barking like a dog, uh, she notified Ukrainian authorities. Thank you, neighbor. Jeez Louise. Yeah, so when authorities arrived, they were horrified. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. Oksana was walking around on all fours and howling at them. And when they attempted to go and get the girl and save her, essentially, the pack of dogs surrounded the girl as if to protect her. Yeah. They were, in fact, so protective of Oksana that the police had to coax them away with food in order to get close to the little girl. Oksana was unable to understand what was going on. She could not communicate. She didn't understand language. She couldn't speak. She could only communicate through growls and barking. It seemed as though she was a completely feral child. Now, her first three years, little or no interaction with the adults. Right. They ignored her. They certainly didn't try to uh, help her learn to speak or walk or anything like that. And then for six years... 
no human contact, just living with the dogs. She absorbed a lot of canine-like behavior. Like when she would try to clean herself, she would lick herself clean. So. I have questions. Yeah. How do we know when this happened? Did the parents say, oh, yeah, she just went outside like when she was three-ish? How do we know this timeline? I'm not really sure, but the authorities somehow were able to piece this all together okay. with medical records and things like that. I okay. Guess. So they took her to a children's home, like a children's foster home, to try to help her uh, to certainly clean her up and work with her to see if they could teach her how to talk and stuff. Which must have been terrifying for her. And it was for the staff, too. They were shocked when they saw this little girl. Initially, when they would give her an item such as food or a piece of clothing, she would grab it and hide it like a dog would with a bone. Yeah. If she felt threatened, she would bite or attack. It was said that if you heard her barking, you'd be shocked. Because the sound was so furious, it wasn't like a human being pretending to be a dog. It was a chilling canine burst of aggression. And it was coming from this young girl wearing a t-shirt and shorts. So she was closely studied by child psychologists and underwent extensive cognitive tests. The director of the institute, where Oksana had been taken, said, quote, She was more like a little dog than a human child. She used to show her tongue when she saw water. She used to eat with her tongue and not her hands. Do we know what happened to her parents? Were they arrested? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were. And although they believe she will never be able to catch up because she missed those first crucial years of development, especially when, when you're learning a language, they say that uh, after five, it becomes a lot more difficult. Sure. But the staff continued working with her calmly and compassionately. And soon, she learned to walk upright. She learned how to use utensils and not just lap food from a bowl. And most importantly, how to communicate. It took about six months, but after six months, she had completely changed. It was remarkable for such a short period of time. Ultimately, she learned to speak fluently and intelligently and worked on the farm at the foster home milking cows. Oh, wow. She did still remain somewhat intellectually impaired, and understandably so. Sure. Oksana now is 38 years old. She was part of a 60 Minutes documentary not long ago. And in it, she said, she was interviewed, she said, quote, Mom had too many kids. We didn't have enough beds. So I crawled to the dog and started living with her. I would talk to the dogs. They would bark and I would repeat it. Oh. This was our way to communicate. In another interview on national Ukrainian TV, she said she, she wants to be treated like a normal human being. She's offended when people refer to her as the dog girl. Well, which, sure. Which yeah. they've been doing her whole life. She says that uh, she enjoys visiting with her brothers, but wishes that they would come more often. Mm -hmm. She's been estranged from her uh, parents. Fair. At one point, in fact, during the 60 Minutes interview, they were able to locate her father and they orchestrated a reunion and he was just totally emotionless. She does, however, have a boyfriend at the foster home, and she loves working on the farm with animals. Although she's been able to integrate into society somewhat, she still says she feels most at home with dogs. Sure. I mean, I do. Anyway. <laughs> and you weren't even raised by dogs. No. Whenever we're at a party, you and I are the ones that always end up in the corner petting the dogs. <laughs> she said, quote, when I feel lonely, I crawl on all fours. This is how lonely I feel. Because I have nobody, I spend my time with dogs. 
I go for walks with him or do anything I want to do. Nobody notices when I'm with the dogs and I'm walking on all fours. Oh my goodness. A remarkable story, incredibly sad, but also one of human resilience. Here is a little girl who, she was so far behind the curve with her learning, specifically language and, and, and communication skills, but yet somehow she was able to break through and she's living, for the most part, a fairly happy life, considering what she's been through. It's incredible. The resilience of a person can be astounding. Yeah. And it reminds me, I mean, so much of that movie, Walk Like a Man. Do you remember with Howie Mandel? Uh, <laughs> which was a comedy. And, you know, you kind of overlook, because it's a comedy, the intense neglect that a child would experience, mm. you know, living with dogs. And this this story is not, not as funny as that. No, it's, it's not. It's not like an excellent Howie Mandel vehicle. My source information came from The Sun, History Daily, Wikipedia, and Mysteries Unsolved. Wow. What an incredible little girl. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, 
it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. And now, that thing in the middle. Patricia Highsmith was an American novelist and short story writer, widely known for her psychological thrillers, including the talented Mr. Ripley. She was also an animal lover. She once said, I choose to live alone with my animals because my imagination functions better when I don't have to speak with people. She especially loved cats and snails. She bred about 300 snails in her garden at her house in Suffolk, England. She was known to attend London cocktail parties carrying a gigantic handbag that would contain a head of lettuce and 300 snails, which she claimed were her companions for the evening. Taylor tweeted us, I just had my first boo effect. Box of Oddities. I was listening to the holiday special on how in China it's popular to eat KFC at Christmas. And then I went to my weed guy's house and he had KFC. And I was like, (laughs) ah, it happened. What are the odds of a weed guy having KFC? I love it. I'd I'd say a hundred out of a (laughs) hundred chances. That's hilarious. Susan sent us an email. Actually, it's to you. I'll read this to you. Okay. Hey, Kat, very much enjoyed your story about Ada Blackjack and her cat, Vic, because I'm a real fan of seafaring cats. Oh, my gosh. What an interesting niche. I reenact cat ocean adventures in our backyard at a half-barrel pond. What? Historic seafaring cats. This is amazing. This is the best thing I've ever heard. She gives several examples, but I'll share this one. Mr. Chippy of the 1914-1916 Shackleton Expedition Yes, is also a favorite. Attached is a photo of the endurance trapped in the ice on the South Pole with a cat. Here's another one. During the summer, Trim the Cat and Captain Matthew Flinders of the HMS Investigator raced Captain Nicholas Bowden and a monkey on the French ship La Geographe to make the first circumnavigation of Australia in 1802. The ships met at Encounter Bay, which is named for the event, and they exchanged information and maps. Spoiler alert, Trim the Cat won. Beat the other guy and his monkey. I love it. I'm always looking for a good seafaring cat story, so thank you for telling me about Vic. She also said, P.S., I'm a surgical pathologist specializing in breast disease. I really appreciated your mammography art. I am so impressed when people can find humor in all the stuff we have to deal with in medicine. I'm happy that uh, all turned out well for you. Thanks, Susan. That's a, thank you. That's a wonderful email, and she included photos. <laughs> Here's Shackleton stuck in the ice. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's got a chunk of ice in the pond This there. is incredible. <laughs> this is the thing that's made me the most happy in a long time. Between this and those kitchen towels that we were sent for Christmas, I am just on cloud nine. Dakota tweeted to us a photo of Santa Claus in apple bottom jeans. <laughs> um, love it, by the way. The boots with the fur. Yeah. yeah. And then said, box of oddities is the best. And I'm sorry, incorrect. Dakota is the best. And then there's this from Melissa. I saved this one for last. 
Greetings, Kat and Jethro. I'm a longtime listener. We are currently binging the last few episodes. My whole family has fallen in love with your podcast and gets mad if I listen without you. So we save up episodes for long drives across Texas. Amazing. Since we live in Midland. I had to share my airplane story with you after hearing Kat's flying story and her scary flight into Maine on episode 497. I, too, have a crazy flying story. Yes. Many, many years ago, when I was 18, I was flying into a small border town in Uganda. Going to Africa was always a dream of mine, and I was so excited to go. Me, too. We were at the airport awaiting a final plane to our African destination before I could board. I, too, had to be weighed along with my suitcases. Everyone else did as well. I didn't think anything of it, but I went along with it. I was just excited to be there. I did see some discussion among the workers at the airport, but thought nothing of it. When it was time to board the plane, we walked outside onto the tarmac, and they asked me to be the last in line. I was then informed that they were out of seats on the plane, but I could sit on top of my luggage in the back. (gasps) No! I'm usually all for an adventure, but this was a little nerve-wracking. However, since I was excited, I agreed and boarded. Keep in mind, this was a long time ago, and I would hope that they have since improved their airline procedures. About halfway through the flight, the pilot put the plane on autopilot mode and proceeded to wander back and ask if any of us wanted a drink. Oh, my God! (laughs) The drinks were located in a cooler beside me. I ask for one, and he grabs one. He announces, Oh no, I forgot the bottle opener. I'll just have to use this latch. He then proceeded to bang the bottle on the hatch. (laughs) On the handle that opens the emergency exit door to the plane. Keep in mind, this is right across from me, and I'm sitting on top of luggage with no seatbelt. I started yelling, Stop! I don't want to coke that bad. (laughs) He laughed at me and told me to relax. He continued to hit it until the bottle cap came off. Thankfully, the plane door didn't open. Now, it had been raining for a few days, so the runway was really slick. When we landed, the plane hydroplaned all the way down the runway. We were sliding everywhere. I went tumbling around in the back with the suitcases. I got banged up, and I'm pretty sure at one point, my skirt went up over my shoulders and gave everyone a good look at my underwear. Thankfully, I came out with just a few bruises, a bruised ego, and messed up hair. Thankfully, I survived the ride. I figured that if I survived that adventure, you could only go up from there. Oh my goodness. And then she wrote, uh, Melissa wrote, Uh, P.S. If upon the rare chance this gets read on the podcast, could you please say hi to my kiddos, Bass? He's named after my gunslinger great-great-great-uncle of the Old West, and Strummer, named after Joe Strummer of The Clash. Amazing! And my husband, Josh, pronounced like Josh. They're they're huge fans of the Box of Oddities. Look forward to every road trip because we get to listen to you all. That is an incredible story. I am horrified and a little jealous. I, <laughs> yeah, she included some pictures of her trip to uh, Uganda as well. That's just delightful. Thanks for Wonderful. sharing that, Melissa, in our best to Midland, Texas. Wow. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. The only podcast that has a mad crush on both Rob Lowe and Taylor Swift. I mean, they are both so cute. This is The Box of Oddities. First and foremost, want to acknowledge Jeff on TikTok who suggested this topic, and I'm really kind of surprised that we hadn't gotten into it already. And I do want to mention that one of my favorite names ever appears in this story, and I just know that you'll know when it comes up. Alexander and Janet McDonald and their adopted daughter, Mary Ellen, lived in a very typical folk farmhouse in Caledonia Mills in a small community about 25 kilometers south of Antigonouche in Nova Scotia. I love Nova Scotia. I know. I saw Cher there once. Like just in a Piggly Wiggly? (laughs) They don't have Piggly Wigglies in Nova Scotia. I don't know. I've never been. They have Dominion stores there. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. And no. She was in concert. Oh, I got it. You've seen Cher? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Tell me everything. Were you high? No, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was no. just a long pause. <laughs> <clears throat> it was a long time ago. And uh, all I really remember from it is uh, the amazing diversity and flamboyancy of the crowd that I was with. I'm sure. It was delightful. Also, she said that probably she wasn't going to tour much longer because her tits were dragging on the ground. (laughs) And she had a little animated cartoon character of herself with her tits dragging on the ground that she showed on a screen behind her. (laughs) That's amazing. It was pretty great. At one point, a person in front of me got up and and was yelling and screaming and uh, part of their feather boa poked me in the eye. Oh, no. I'm glad that you made it through. I did. It was harrowing, but it was worth it. Is Cher still touring? I don't know. We should go see Cher. Anyway, back to Nova Scotia. Alexander had been having troubles with his animals. One December morning, when he arrived at the barn, located not far from the house, he found that someone had set his horses and cattle loose from their stalls sometime in the night. After he guided the horses back to their stall, the animals inexplicably escaped again. Several days later, McDonald came out to learn that the horses and cattle had switched places. The horses were in the cow's side and Mm. the cows were on the horse's side. Not long after, he found that someone had braided some of the horses' tails, and if they'd not been braided, they'd been bobbed. What? Alexander reached out to a few neighbors to ask if they would help him in catching whoever had been trespassing on his property. Is this the story of the Nova Scotia phantom tail bobber? (laughs) So he reached out to his neighbors to see if they would help him in catching whoever had been trespassing and partaking in this shenaniganery. Several agreed, but on the nights that they came to the barn, uh, they reported something far more mysterious than a nocturnal prankster. Aliens? No. The farmers reported strange lights around the farmhouse, objects going missing and then reappearing in different locations. One even claimed to have observed a hand waving a white cloth from a second-story window of the McDonald's farmhouse at a time when no residents were in that part of the home. But no intruder was found to be on the property. On a stormy night that December, 
a fire started in part of the McDonald house. Oddly, it was not near their fireplace or wood stove. Alexander quickly extinguished the fire, but as soon as he did, another erupted in an empty room at the other end of the home. Oh, my God. These small blue fires started appearing in the home without any apparent cause. This went on for some time. A fire appearing, just as Alexander had extinguished it, another would start. If it's a blue flame, that would lead me to think that perhaps it was a gas leak that somehow was igniting in various parts of the house. You think so? No, probably the house would blow up then. Yeah, no, never mind. It's a ghost. (laughs) For those people who think that I always assume it's the supernatural, I actually weighed and immediately dismissed a scientific explanation. Right. We decided that was ridiculous. Yeah, it's a ghost. And moved on to ghost. No, it was first it was alien. Now it's ghost. Right. Okay. It didn't take long for the family to realize that there was something unnatural occurring as wet towels and patches of wallpaper were bursting into flames. Wow. The fires intensified until January 6, 1922, in the midst of a blizzard, Alex McDonald and several of his neighbors spent the day combating 38 fires which erupted mysteriously in and around his farmhouse. Holy crap. No arsonist was caught. Alex asked one of his farmer neighbors if he and his wife and their adopted daughter might stay at his farmhouse until this mystery was solved. Obviously, he was concerned for their safety. And in the following weeks, the farmer made the trek over three miles on snow-covered dirt roads twice a day to feed his livestock. When the family abandoned the home, word of this mystery got out to reporters and investigators, both paranormal and otherwise. Some of the most notable accounts on what was seen at the McDonald home include those of Harold Whitten, a reporter from the Halifax Herald, a police detective, Peachy Carroll. <laughs> so you've got Peachy Carroll and you've got Harold from the Herald. <laughs> H2 is what I'm going to call him. H squared? Yep. Even Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was invited to investigate. Oh, wow. No, he didn't. Harold B. Witten, who worked for the Halifax Herald, was dispatched to the McDonald farm. H2. When he interviewed Alexander, Janet, and Mary Ellen, as well as several neighbors, and included their testimonies in his articles. Witten made a second trip out to the McDonald farm. This time he intended to stay in the farmhouse and was accompanied by Peachy Carroll. <laughs> I wonder if that's his Christian name. And if it's if it's a nickname, how the hell did he get it? How did he get the name Peachy? I love it so much. The second night, both Widden and Carol heard strange noises. They said it was unlike anything that they had heard before, and it seemed to come from the upper floor of the farmhouse where no one was staying. As Widden was listening to the sounds, his eyes glued to the ceiling, he felt a sudden slap on his arm, noticeable through several thick layers of clothing. He asked Carol, like, did you just touch me? And Carol was like, no, did you just slap me? And they both immediately felt like somebody else was in the room. And since neither of them had slapped the other, you know. This went on for about 20 minutes before the presence was no longer present. Following the incident, Witten decided to cut his investigation short (laughs) and book a hotel room Mm -hmm. where he documented his experiences that he'd had, prompting another prominent investigator to visit the home for several days. This was Dr. Walker Franklin Pierce. A newspaper article read, Caldonia Mills, March 12. Oh, 
Caldonia Mills, March 12. <laughs> the spook hunter, Dr. Walter Franklin Pierce, was alone tonight in Alex McDonald's little home over the hill, hoping that the ghost which caused Alex and his family to vacate would set friendly and suggest a game of tag. <laughs> I love how they turned a phrase. Right. In those old-timey days. The ghost did not suggest a game of tag. Dr. Prince did, with the help of Widden, conduct an experiment, though. He asked Widden to hold a piece of paper and a pencil and very passively hold the pencil over the paper. He was trying to do some automatic writing business. Okay. Widden said, Suddenly, I felt a prickly sensation in the end of some of the fingers in my right hand, which increased. The hand then became numb. Before I realized what was happening, the pencil began to move slowly without any effort or intention on my part. For two hours, Widden scribbled in this manner. At first, he produced nothing but circles and lines. But then the scribbles began to take on a more intelligent shape and he started getting messages. Widden later claimed that the scribblings asserted that the acts of arson and other mischief at the McDonald farm were committed by spirits. He also said that there were other more profound but very personal messages written hmm. through this automatic writing and that he wouldn't share those because it's none of your business. <laughs> Dr. Prince didn't experience any other phenomena and returned to his office in New York. There, he did say that there was some unexplained rapping noises in his office for several weeks. Was he being haunted by Run DMC? He said that he'd completed his investigation into the Caledonia Mills Spook Farm and published his findings in the 1922 issue of the Journal of American Society for Psychical Research. Prince concluded that the poltergeist activity emanated from the family's then 15-year-old adopted daughter, Mary Ellen. I've heard of this before. There's a theory that poltergeists are attracted to... Um, Young girls who are going through puberty. Weird. Mm. Prince did claim that Mary Ellen was unaware of her actions and thus not culpable for them. Whitten wrote, In my opinion, the McDonald's are to be exonerated, which means that the unfastening of the cows, the mysterious fires, and my own strange experiences were caused by an unseen power, spirits. If Dr. Prince's theory is correct, that one member of the family in an abnormal psychic state was used as an instrument to set the fires, then she, in my opinion, was no more responsible for these acts than I, while under the strange influence for over two hours. So his theory was that a uh, malevolent spirit mm -hmm. possessed this young girl, and then uh, once he had control of her body went down to the barn and braided the horse's tail. Yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Dr. Prince's suggestion that she was the cause, albeit unknowingly, and the fact that he said, well, it's not her fault, and the fact that Widden said, well, she's not culpable for this, didn't really matter, though, because people suck. And they started calling her Mary Ellen Spook. Well, that's unkind. Yeah. And surprising for Canadians. The McDonald family moved back to their farmhouse and to their relief, enjoyed a pleasant summer, no strange activity until October. 
and then mysterious fires began to appear on the property once again. At this point, regional authorities were like, all right, Mary Ellen, enough of this tomfoolery, and took her to the Nova Scotia Home for the Insane, an asylum in Dartmouth. Wow. Yeah. Not long after Mary Ellen was institutionalized, Alexander and Janet abandoned their farm. They couldn't get anyone to buy it, so they just had to leave with nothing. Now, what was going on at that farm? Well, some would say it was spirits. Edward J. O'Brien, a lecturer who stopped off at the nearby St. Francis Xavier University, posited that the fires might have been caused by radio waves passing through Caledonia Mills between the radio towers at Wellfleet and Glace Bay. Probably 5G. That theory has been pretty much... Squarched. Squarched? Squarched. But a variety of books have been written on the strange occurrence, and legend persists. Even today, long after the farm and house have disappeared, people say that if you take home any item from that property, your house will burn down. The problem with proving it is that no one wants their house to burn down. (laughs) That's true. I got my information from townofantigonouche.ca, thelineup.com, cbc.ca, Picto Antigonouche Regional Library, and mysteriesofcanada.com. Well, that's a great story. Um, we should probably wrap it up, though, because I think I've got razor burn and I'm a little uncomfortable sitting. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Our website is theboxofoddities.com. You can find merch there. You can find uh, the uh, Patreon support us link. Become a, a patron, a member of the Order of Freaks. Contact information and so much more, theboxofoddities.com. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, a beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast. On Twitter at Box of Oddities and Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Is there anything that you'd like to talk about to wrap this up? Oh, um, your butt maybe? I think that it's important that we discuss your butt at length. Mm. Them cakes are worth discussing. <laughs> Hello everyone, Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. 
If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.